Oh, that is really bright. I feel like I need sunglasses on right now. Okay. <laughs> John 3, 1 through 17. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member. <laughs> They're closing the drapes for me. Thanks, guys. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God weren't with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he can't enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may also have eternal life for God. So loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We will go that far. So, Nicodemus responds to Jesus, how can this be? How can this be? Clearly, he's a little bit confused about what Jesus is talking about. How can this be? Have you ever had one of those weeks where nothing seems to be going right? Have you ever experienced this? It's like everything you do seems to be tainted with a little, a little bit of confusion. Like you can't find the right words to say when you need to say them. It, it takes a little bit longer for you to make a decision, like normal everyday decisions that aren't very hard. But then once you make one of these decisions, you realize, oops, I messed that one up. I, I should have made the other decision. <laughs> like you go to bed early because you need to get some much needed sleep, only to find yourself lying awake in the middle of the night, like an hour past when you normally go to sleep. You just feel sluggish like you can't get to where it is you're going and you don't even know where it is you're going anyway, like you can't find the way. You've all had weeks like that, right? Those weeks are tough. Those weeks just aren't fun, are they? Now, I bring this up because when I was preparing this message to, to come up here and say something to you all, uh, I was having one of those weeks 
Like, and nothing seemed to be going right. And it wasn't, it wasn't like it was horrible. And there wasn't any one thing that I could point it to, point to as the cause for it. It was like a, it just was one of those weeks where it just, I couldn't get it right. I couldn't figure it out, especially when it came to preparing what it is that I was going to say to you this morning. Like, I couldn't figure out what God was saying to me, let alone what God would want me to say to all of you. It was just one of those weeks. And before you start feeling sorry for me and thinking that I'm just up here rambling along because I didn't know what to say and now I'm just saying a bunch of mumbo jumbo to take up time so that I don't have to really say anything to you this morning, let me say this. (laughs) I think that maybe, maybe, I don't know for sure, but maybe Nicodemus was having a week like that. I think he might have been having a week like the weeks that we've all experienced. You see, Nicodemus, here's the reality. We don't know a whole ton about Nicodemus, but we do know a few things about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a really smart guy, right? He was a leader of the Pharisees. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council, which means he knows the scriptures backwards and forwards. He knows everything you ought to know about God and about how God operates in the world. In fact, he was probably one of those dudes who makes you sick because he reads something once. You know people like this? They read something once and it's like locked in their brain forever. Don't people like that make you sick? People like that make me sick. Like Nicodemus was that kind of guy. Really, really smart. If only we could all be as smart as Nicodemus. But here's the deal. Even really smart people aren't immune to having some of the weeks that we've all had, that we just talked about a little bit. One of those weeks where things just seem to be off. See, here's the deal. Earlier in the week, Nicodemus either saw or heard about Jesus transforming a dead wedding party into a live one. You see, the, the wine was gone which was a huge problem and a big social faux pas. It would have been a social disaster for the wedding party. So the party was essentially dead, and he transforms it into a live one by transforming ordinary well water into the best, most exquisite, expensive wine that money could buy. Earlier in the week, Nicodemus either saw or heard Jesus clearing out of the temple all of the people who were selling things there, and other miraculous signs that John tells us Jesus did but doesn't give us any details about those. So, so here's Nicodemus on this night. I think he was a little bit confused by all of those things that he either saw or heard about, those miraculous signs. And so on this night, maybe after lying in bed, until an hour after he normally goes to bed, he decides, you know, I gotta figure this out. I gotta, I gotta get to the bottom of this. So he gets up under cover of darkness because at the same time he's a little embarrassed about the week that he's having and he doesn't want his smart, his smart friends in the Jewish ruling council to know that he's meeting with Jesus in secret. So he goes under cover of darkness and he tries to get to the bottom of this. He says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, because no one could be doing the things that you're doing. These miraculous signs, no one can be doing the things that you're doing unless God is with you. In other words, Jesus, what's up with you, man? What are you up to? And then perhaps, (laughs) reading the confusion in Nicodemus's tired eyes, 
Jesus decides to toy with him a little bit. I like this. He says, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Now, the reason I say he's starting to toy with Nicodemus a little bit is because that word sort of has a, a double meaning, right? The word he uses for again, anothen, is the Greek word behind it. It can also be translated as from above. So it could either mean born again, or it could mean born from above. You may have a footnote in your Bible if you have a Bible with footnotes. And if you go to the bottom, it will say, if it's translated as born again, you can go to the bottom and it will say, or born from above. Anyway, I think that maybe Jesus does this intentionally because maybe he means both born again and born from above. Born again, maybe that means part of the human part of this whole thing. Like, have you ever had that, that experience where you're like, you know what, I need a new beginning. I need a fresh start. I sort of need a, a new birth. I need a, there's something I need to do and I'm going to do something. Like, things need to change and I'm going to change them. Have you ever had that experience? Maybe that's born again. Or maybe born from above is the part that what God gets involved in. So there's our human agency involved here, and then there's the spirit, there's the divine part of this whole thing. Like God is the, the one who supplies the power behind which our new beginnings can happen. The one who in the beginning made all things is the one who injects himself and his power into our lives in order for us to have a new beginning. So Nicodemus wants to know what Jesus is up to. He comes to Jesus under cover of darkness. And I think that we can describe what Jesus is up to in one word, transformation. That's what Jesus is up to. And it's all there in the first two chapters. Like John puts it out there for us in the first two chapters. You want to know what Jesus is up to? Just watch what he does and listen to what he says. Remember the dead wedding party that he transforms into a live one by turning transforming water into wine? Remember him clearing out all the people who were selling things in the temple in order to restore it to a house of worship? It's all right there in the first two chapters. Like John just lays it out for us. Jesus just likes to make things new. Jesus just loves to transform things. Now at this point, Nicodemus is, a little, uh, is still a little confused. And so he, he takes Jesus literally. Right? He says, how can a grown person enter his mama's womb again to be born again, which I think is just hilarious, right? So Jesus explains this transformation mystery, this, this part of what we do born again and what God does born from above, and he explains it a little bit further. He says, you shouldn't be surprised by me saying you must be born again. And then he, he gets even more metaphorical. He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And still clearly confused, Nicodemus is like, how can this be? How can this be? That's a good question. How can this be? How, how does that work? Right? And I, th I, think, I think it's a good question because I think 
Jesus wants Nicodemus to go home and think about it a little bit more. And I think God wants us to think about it. And, and when you're stuck in the funk of a, a bad week, trying to figure out how in the world you're going to explain this to a bunch of people from up front in church, you lean on what other people have said. So after sort of, after sort of researching this and looking and reading about a bunch of things, uh, I decided that, you know what, the way that John Ortberg puts it, I think is really good. Now, John Ortberg is a pastor of Menlo Park Presbyterian Church in San Francisco, uh, California, but he's written all sorts of books. You may have heard of him. Uh, but he, he sort of compares this transformation thing, this new beginning thing, this thing that God does, and this thing that we do, uh, this being born again and born from above. He, he describes it as sort of like crossing the ocean. And he says this, something like this. I'll paraphrase. Some people try really, really hard day after day after day after day to become super spiritually mature all by themselves. And he says these people are, are, are like taking a rowboat across the ocean. It's exhausting. And generally, it's not very productive. And normally, it's unsuccessful. Others have stopped trying completely and they just throw themselves into the grace of God. And he says, they're like drifters on a raft. Like they do nothing but hang on and hope that God shows up and does something. He goes on to saying, neither trying really hard, neither rowing the boat, nor drifting is effective in bringing about spiritual transformation. He says, a better image is the sailboat, which if it moves at all, is a gift of the wind can't control the wind, but a good sailor knows where the wind is blowing, discerns the wind, and can adjust the sails accordingly. Working with the Holy Spirit, which John in chapter 3, Jesus there, likens to the, to the wind, means that we have a part in this whole thing. Like there's a human agency involved here in actually thinking and using our brains and our hearts and knowing in which, what direction we need to go and then adjusting the sails in order to catch the wind of the Spirit which gives us power to move there. There's this human agency, human element, and there's this divine interaction and the two of those things sort of come together. And that's how transformation works. Jesus wants to transform your life. Jesus wants to transform my life. And part of our deal is we need to discern what that looks like. And that looks differently for each and every one of us, knowing where God wants us to go. I mean, we can fight the wind, but everybody knows that if you fight the wind, you're just not going to go anywhere. Do you feel a fresh breeze this morning? Or, or maybe, maybe not this morning, but maybe over the last couple of days or weeks or months, there's, there's like this thing that's been nagging at your heart or in the back of your head, and you're like, I should probably lean into that a little bit more. Is there this thing in your life that you feel a nudge, you feel a movement? What's the next step for you? Is there a, a change a course correction that you need to make. Trust the Spirit. 
trust the Spirit and just go with it. <laughs> you get to be involved in this spiritual transformation thing. You get to be involved. It's not just God's going to do it and voila. God loves to work in the lives of human beings, and God loves when we respond and we actually do something about it. We take steps. Do you, do you feel the wind blowing? Have you heard a fresh word from the Spirit? Is there a thing that you need to do? And look, Nicodemus is like, something's going on here. And so he goes to Jesus. He goes to another person. Is, is there another person you need to talk to that can help you discern? What is it for you? What's next? God wants to make your life new. Where does God want to make your life new? God wants to transform you. Where does God want to transform you? You get to help discern what that looks like. Oh my goodness. But Jesus isn't done with this transformation stuff. He's got a few more things to say to Nicodemus. So this is in verses 10 through 17. I'm just going to read it real quick. It says, you are Israel's teacher. And you don't understand these things? Like you're not, you're not open enough to receive this stuff right now. You, you, you don't have a posture of learning. You don't have this openness about you. I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you still don't have the openness to accept what we're saying to you, to accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. Then how will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in him might have eternal life. And by the way, when John uses this phrase, eternal life, he's not talking about just dying and going to that place in heaven someday later. Eternal life sort of means life to the full, the life of the ages, this full life that begins here, now, in the present, in this moment. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have that life now. Have eternal life that begins now. For God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. There's this word that keeps getting repeated throughout those last two verses that I hope my emphasis on caught your attention. <laughs> For God so loved the world. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. This word world, cosmos, is the, world behind, is the word behind it. It's where we get our world, word, world, blah, blah. It's where we get our word, cosmos. Then when we think of cosmos, what do we think of? Space. We think of everything, right? We think of the entire created order. Right? If we're speaking theologically, we're thinking the entire created order. We're talking about big stuff here. Right? Now, when I was little, maybe you had this experience too if you grew up in the church. I was taught to insert my name there. I was taught, I was taught to think about this verse in this way. For God so loved Aaron that he gave his only son, which is, which is quite fine 
to, to teach our children, right? So that they can grasp God's love for us as individuals and all that kind of stuff, right? But, it, but at some point, we, we need to and we get to, we get to grow up. And we get to understand this on a different level. We get to sort of expand our thinking a little bit, our thinking which must be expanded beyond ourselves, right? And so we make a mistake when we individualize this, is what I'm saying. For God so loved the world, the cosmos, the cosmos, the whole created order. For God so loved the whole created order that he sent his son into the world, right? So we're talking about world transformation here. We're talking about global transformation here. We're talking, we're talking about cosmological transformation here. How big can I use? What language can I use? We're talking about transforming all things. Whoa. And we're caught up in that. Have you ever been robbed? Anybody? Anybody ever had anything stolen? from you. You know what it's like to leave something unattended for a little bit, only to come back a little bit later and then you find it missing? Like at first, at first you get mad, right? You're like, no! Because we work hard for our stuff, right? It belongs to us. And when somebody else takes it, we get really, really mad about it. And then we get sad, because something that belongs to us is now missing. It's gone. And perhaps it's something that's more valuable to us than, than anything that money could sort of, you know, replace. And then we get scared. We get a little scared because, because our, our space has been violated, right? Because a robber, a thief takes more than your stuff, takes your peace of mind, takes your sense of security, all that. Now, I'm guessing that nobody in this room would raise their hand and say, I'm a thief. Anybody? Anybody want to cop to that? I'm a thief. I'm a robber. Okay. Do, you, do you impose a sense of fear on people by taking their stuff? Right. Here's the deal. Maybe we all are in some way. Maybe we are. Because God loved the world the whole world that he gave his one and only son. See, God's transformational treasure is not just for us. It's not just for me. It's not just for you. So that one day we can, you know, be up there somewhere, wherever heaven is. Right? It's for the world. And often we don't think about it our relationship with Jesus in terms of what that now means for my life here now for the world. And if we don't think in those terms, then aren't we robbing God and the world of that transformational treasure of Jesus? Listen to, listen to these words from Leonard Sweet. He says this, with every day we fail to preach Christ outside the walls of our church, we rob God. And I would add, we also rob the world. With every time we offer judgment instead of forgiveness, mm, we rob 
God, and I would argue, the world. With every person we dismiss as hateful, unlovable, unrepentant, and unredeemable, we rob God and the world. With every man and woman we reject because their beliefs or lifestyle don't fit comfortably within the walls of our churches, we rob God and the world. Like, he's not mincing words there. Like many of us, many of us grew up in the church and we learned that Jesus was for us. We were taught to insert our names into that verse, for God so loved Aaron that he gave his only son. And somewhere along the way, all of us at some point had this sort of, we'll call it an encounter with the divine, an encounter with Jesus, and it feels really good, right? To learn that God is for us, that we are who God says we are, we are sons and we are daughters, and, and we focus on our own lives, and yay, we're, we're forgiven and transformed, and God is, God is moving in us, and our lives are becoming better, and sometimes it feels like it, and sometimes it doesn't. But, but if we never grow past that point, then we're, we're not maturing. Like, there comes a point where, where we have to grow up. There comes a point where we have to move beyond ourselves. There has to come a point where we realize that, oh my goodness, I am being caught up in something so much greater and so much larger than myself. If I never ask the question, what's next for me, for the world, for God so loves the world, then we're just sort of stopped up. We've sort of hit a point where we're not gonna grow much further. So where, it is, where is it for you? What is it? God wants to transform the world, the whole created order. It sounds like a big thing. And he's created you to be the person you are and God wants to transform you, but it doesn't end there. You have a role to play in the transformation of the world. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's, maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe there's a relationship, right? Where is it for you? Because this thing isn't just so you, you can get to heaven so I can get to heaven and yay. No, God wants, to, God wants us to experience that life, heaven on earth, here, now, in the present, and God wants us to help, that, to help make that a reality for others in this world, in the here and now. Jesus just likes transforming stuff. Jesus likes to make things new, and Jesus wants to work through you to make you new and to make the world around you new. What does that look like for you? I don't know. Do you? Let's pray. God, we're grateful for, for this word. Um, grateful that you speak to us through these ancient words. Grateful uh, that your spirit shows up uh, and shows off. And so there are some of us here this morning who are 
who are hearing a fresh word from you. There are some of us here this morning who are, who, we've, we've got these things in our lives and, and we know what's next, but it's just been hard to take that next step. And so here this morning, oh God, we, we place our trust in your spirit and we ask spirit that you would blow afresh in our lives so that we can have the power to go, so that we can have the power to move, even though we know we might be wrong and we might make a mess of the things, your spirit is with us still. And give us a greater vision for our lives, oh God. Give us a greater vision of how you want us to play a part in you making the world new. At home, at work, at school, wherever it is, oh God, give us a higher purpose so that we can follow you outside of these walls. Pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.